Guys, we are less than one month from the 2020 presidential election. Less than one month from what will be one of the most important moments in American history. And we all know what's at stake, so I won't belabor that point. But I can't stress enough the importance of exercising our right to vote. Um, Don't be that person who feels as though their vote doesn't matter. Don't be that person who feels as though there's no point because nothing's going to change. Elections matter and they have consequences. It's not just for us in the immediate future, but for years to come. Uh, As fathers, they impact our children and they'll impact their children. So get active, get informed, and exercise your right to vote. And now, another episode of the Fatherhood Podcast. Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part education. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Fatherhood Podcast. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. You know, I was having a conversation the other day and was talking about how everyone is connected somehow and there are about two to three degrees of separation. And my guest today is a testament to that. You know, I was looking for someone to come on this week and I came across this gentleman. And after a little digging, I found out that he was a law school classmate of one of my best friends from undergrad. And we had a, a few other connections down the line. And it's definitely a small world. And I'm excited to have him join me today. I'll let him introduce himself in more detail. But in short, he's a founding partner of the Freedman Law Group in Charlotte, North Carolina. Desmond Andrade, welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast, my man. Thank you so much for having me, man. It truly is an honor. Absolutely, sir. man. I appreciate you joining me. And, and when I, Desmond, when I, when I have all my guests come on, the first thing I want to do is just tell them a little bit about yourself. Thanks, brother. Well, it's always a tough, a tough, uh, question to answer right because obviously we're all so multi-layered um but at least uh surface level as i'm sure we'll get a chance to dig a bit deeper um i am a father first and foremost quite fittingly for this podcast i have uh four children three boys and a baby girl i'm also uh, married to the mother of my four children uh so first and foremost uh, a husband and a father um i am also an attorney i'm going on 11 years in the practice of law, which seems ridiculous when I say it out loud. Um, aside from that, um, this, uh, I think an extremely normal and a regular guy. Um, I enjoy uh, spending time with family and uh, friends. Um, big fan of sports, played soccer um, growing up and, and collegiately. My dad's Jamaican, so I didn't really have too much of a say in you know, <laughs> my, my choice of sports because he's a football fanatic uh, and, and soccer. When I say football, I mean soccer. Um, so, uh, but we're definitely a fan of all sports. And um, aside from that, man, I mean, uh, just uh, embarked on a new professional journey along with a couple of business partners. We started a sports management company. So I'm getting a chance to um, match my loves of 
the sport of soccer and my love for the law. So that's definitely a new and exciting journey um, because my eight and nine year old son are also starting their soccer um, journey as well. So seeing coaching and being a fan of theirs um, has been extremely fun the past couple of years. Um, so I think at this juncture of my life, that pretty much sums up what I have um, going on. That's awesome, man. So when we're talking about being a father, Desmond, tell me what does that mean to you? Mm. Uh, to me, it just means just being present, man. Um, it means being that 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 guiding light that your children can have to look to whenever there are questions. And as we all know, as children, the number of questions that we have um, on a daily basis are quite voluminous. But just to have someone there um, that you can go and, and talk to and, and more importantly, um, get a uh, uh, active example uh, to some of those questions that you have. So uh, to me, fatherhood is just about being uh, a source of stability um, in my children's lives. And that certainly takes several different forms. Uh, but I just think it's just about being an anchor and about being a, a you know a, a rock in which they can um, rely upon and, and gain comfort, stability, and, and safety. Great, great. And when you're when talking about being an example, which is something that all of us fathers um, should be, tell us who were some examples um, of fatherhood that you had growing up. And even once you start your fatherhood her journey yourself, you know, who did you pattern your approach to, you know, being a father after? Mm, I, I, I'm definitely going to have to give 80 percent credit to my own father, if, if not more, really. Um in my fatherhood, I've definitely found myself falling um, back a lot on things uh, in my upbringing and ways in which my father got certain messages across to me. Um, but when I say my father, in regards to who I, I, I pattern my approach after, it, it's both positive and negative, right? Because I pattern off the things that I think he did really well, mm-hmm. the thing that, things that he did that I thought were effective, and the things that I, I think he he had good intentions with but they weren't quite as effective or they had a a negative impact on me that he probably couldn't see beneath the surface Mm -hmm. so when i say i i I pattern my my approach to fatherhood after my dad it's it's kind of from both ends i i take definitely take the things that he did that i found to be um impactful in a positive manner and things that stuck with me and helped me get through several of my trials and tribulations as a young man going all the way through adulthood. And I also take some of the things that I wish he would have done a bit differently um, that would have allowed us to have a better relationship during like my, I guess my teenage years, which everyone goes through, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, let's try to find different ways of tweaking. But yeah, my dad was a great dad. Um, even the, the times in which we didn't, I didn't agree with his methods. His 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 desired outcome was always um, came from a place of pure love and, and always got met. Although I wish sometimes it would have gotten there a little bit smoother. Um, but yeah, dad dad's eighty percent. And then um, aside from that, man, I have a lot of loving men that I grew up with. Man, they really showed me what it was to to to, to be compassionate, right? To be able to you know hug another brother to be able to, you know, say I love you to another brother because there was a, a definitely a period of, time, period of time where my dad acted more of a authoritarian and that I think that kind of connection wasn't there. Um, but there were other people who I think that, that showed me that particular aspect of, of manhood. So that the rest of that 20% would be in that regard, right? That, that, that love aspect. But as far as being a protector, a provider, being present, um, you know, 
going to bat for your children, making sure no one takes advantage of your children and everything. My dad was there, man. So um, definitely he, he's the number one source. When, when talk, you kind of touched on this a little bit, um, Desmond, when talking about your own personal growth and, and transition from a, a young man to a college student to now an attorney, when you, when you throw fatherhood in there, how did that change you and your approach to life? Um, so funny story, really quick story. Uh, at the time, my wife, she was pregnant. She was still living in North Carolina. We're from North Carolina, mm-hmm. from Fayetteville, North Carolina. She's from Wilmington. We met at, uh, in Durham at North Carolina Central University School of Law, um, where I graduated in 2009. But uh, so she was pregnant. And at the time, I wasn't fully stable in Florida. I had moved there after law school. And I was working my first job as a prosecutor or a district attorney um, in, in Broward County, Florida. And uh, I was in the process of picking a jury um, for, for a jury trial, and I got the call that she was going into labor. Mm. So I literally had to stop the trial. My judge, the judge on the case, you know, obviously let me out. We ended the trial, and I wasn't prepared because my first son came early. I literally went to my house in Florida. I probably packed within a matter of a couple of hours hit the road and drove 12 hours to the hospital wow. um, to, uh, and, and, and thank God I made it safely. <laughs> and I also made it in time to, to see him, um, you know, enter the world. But I mean, since that day, I mean, just, I still have to say to answer your question, it's been a dramatic, um, change. Um, even, even that first call that I got before he was actually here, it's impacted, um, everything, that I do um, from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, right? It's, it's there's the, the considerations that you have to take uh, when it comes to your children, whether that be, you know, the schedule, making sure that they get everything that they need. And also um, the fact that when you have a child in the world, if you, I think if you're a cognizant parent and you're really um, tuned in to how everything you do ultimately has a, a impact on your children, right? Even though sometimes we, we don't, we don't think that deep. Um, I think everything we, we do ultimately has an impact on our children. I really try to be conscious and aware of that. And I think I have been for quite some time. So I, I think I, I think about that a lot when it comes to my everyday coming and going, right? Whether I'm going to go to a party where violence may break out, right? Like mm-hmm. I may go there in my, in my younger days, but like <laughs> if I get, if something, if something happens to me, I can't come home for my kids. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like my thought process has really been like that for quite some time now. Um, so, so, so I would say it impacted me really um, that, from the onset, and it is is it, a bit annoying, really. But it um, it, it impacted me um, uh, greatly. Great, great. So, how old is your oldest, uh, Des? My oldest is nine. Okay. My second boy is eight. I have a my, my uh, third boy is three, and then I have a baby girl who is one. Awesome. Also, I, I have a, I have a two part. Um, question for you to, to that point. Um, in those nine years, how have you changed as a, as a dad? And I guess the, the B part of that question is, you know, what do you wish you knew, you know, early on as a father that you learn in these nine or so years you've been, that you've been a father? Mm. Um, I think, I think I definitely did what a lot of parents do, uh, during and before the first child actually came, uh, just overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned, man, that at the end of the day, all the kids really want is you to be there. That you're, you know, you're you're their superhero, and you have an extreme amount of of runway before um, that that superhero role diminishes in their eyes. They don't they don't really require much of you, man. Just to be present, you know, show them love, um, 
and it's, I think after you know when, when I was having my first child, I was so caught up on what I would need to do to be a good father, um, what would I say under certain circumstances, etc. But I mean, it's all a learning curve, man. You know, there's there's I don't know if you're ever going to be perfect at it, but the bottom line is if, if you're there and you're communicating with them and you're showing them that you that you care, um, I think everything else ultimately works itself out. So I've definitely become more of a, a, a relaxed parent when it comes to the X's and O's, um, but just making sure that the foundation of love is strong and everything else from that point um, works itself out. I've also learned to, since you know, since having my first two, um, being extremely communicative with them, um, I allow them to ask me questions as opposed to our day, uh, you know, you ask your, your dad why, you know, you're liable to get your teeth knocked out. So I, I, I'm extremely communicative with them. I allow them to express themselves. There's something I ask them to do they don't agree with. Um, me more so than my wife. Um, you know, I allow them to explain to me, like, why, why do you think you shouldn't have to go clean your room right now? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, um, so I, I just, instead of, uh, the foundation has been laid as far as discipline. I was extremely strict with them when they were younger. But the one thing that I kind of, as I spoke of before, I, I, I wish my father would have done a bit more was listen and kind of build a relationship and allow for there to be an open line of communication. So with my eight and nine year old, man, I think we have a really good open line of communication. When I ask them to do something or tell them to do something and they want to inquire as to why I allow them to allow us to talk it out. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to just do it because I said to do it. And, and that's, that's an approach that I really enjoy morphing into. And I'm definitely going to use with my, with my, I call it my second batch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. That, that's 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 great advice for our listeners and for me personally, because having a son um, who's almost two, I have one. Um, that, that's that's how I want to be with him as he as he grows up. Have that open line of communication um, with him, and he feels comfortable coming to me about whatever um, it, it may be. Uh, so, so Des, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. You know, let's talk about uh, some other things as it relates to fatherhood. You know, this has been a rough year for everyone. Um, it's the longest year in recent memory that I can think of. So how have you managed um, everything that's been going on uh, in 2020 from COVID to, you know, protests to everything that's been in the, in the news cycle? How have you dealt with that? Well, uh, you know, like, like you said, there's several different layers to it. First layer is uh, I'm a black man. I didn't mention that during the introduction. Um, so for those who, who may not know, uh, I'm a black man. Um, so a lot of the things as it relates to the, uh, police brutality over policing um that stuff obviously has weighed uh, heavily on on all of us as a community um secondly i'm an attorney mm -hmm. um who works in the civil rights space um and knowing the illegalities and the ways in which uh even the things that are quote unquote legal right the the, the, the flawed um laws that sometimes prevent us from getting the justice or the degree of justice that we know um, would, would be required in order for us to feel um, at home in this country. Uh, we just haven't been getting it. So I, it, it often leads to me being frustrated on, on two different levels. And then that third level, and probably the most sensitive, is the fact that I'm the father of, of, of three black males. Um, and, a, and, a, and a black uh, girl, girl who's going to grow up to be a black woman um, is extremely disturbing for a different reason, right? You're not necessarily talking about anger being invoked as much as you are about um, sometimes fear, concern, um, and just a sense of uh, 
I'm not sure if it's going to get any better for my kids, right? They're going to be fighting the same fight that we're fighting. So I think like everyone else, man, at least, you know, everyone that's tuned in, um, it's just been a gauntlet and a, a wide spectrum of emotions um, as it relates to that one particular topic of of the treatment of, of, of Africans in America. Um, and not to mention, you know, the COVID pandemic. And to be quite honest, um, I'm kind of different in that way. That hasn't really penetrated my my my, my force field like right. that as far as causing the angst or um, really depression or anything like that. Um, of course, I'm taking the proper precautions from a health perspective. Mm-hmm. But um, aside from that, man, I just do what the, the medical professionals advise us to do it and instruct my kids the same. That's not something I'm not really, really allowed to, to throw me off my balance right, from right. internal mental space, especially in comparison to the, 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 the top of the issues that I just discussed previously. Um, so it, it's obviously been a, a big um, adjustment in, in regards to the way that we operate, um, both in our home and outside of our home. But it hasn't really you know, um, penetrating me emotionally, I'll say. Um, and I think the same is true for my kids. They, they're enjoying virtual school. Mm-hmm. Um, they've enjoyed being home. There's never come a time where they've complained about being home too much, or they miss their friends. Um, you know, um, so I, I think we as a family have adjusted well to the COVID, um, but it's a lot tougher for my, um, wife and I to deal with the pandemic of, um, systemic racism that, um, that's that's continued to rear its ugly head. I think as recently as this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, and and to that point, is you know how do you balance? You know, you obviously we all have to be aware with with of what's going on. We have to stay up to speed um, with what's going on in the news. But how do you balance that with your responsibilities of being a husband and father? As I think the husband and the father puts you in the leadership. And I think I'm I'm a man of Christian faith, mm-hmm. so I definitely you know subscribe to the the, the premise that the man is the leader of the household, and that all gifts and all curses flow through the man. Um, so I have to take a very conscious approach to make sure um, my actions are are grounded in love and are grounded in spirituality, as opposed to the world right because there are definitely times where um emotionally i want to react in a manner um based upon my anger or based based upon me being sad for something that happened to one of my brothers and sisters but at the end of the day um i have to really remind myself that that god is in control um that ultimately we are brothers and sisters regardless of race creed um religion and my actions especially as a role model and a leader of our house needs to be rooted in love because it's so easy, man, to go in that kitchen in front of our family and and, and talk disparagingly about um, white people yeah. or you know this person or that person. And I really have to find um, my core and my center and remind myself of what the big picture is because I certainly believe that you know a lot of these things that are going on are are, are working the devil um, in an attempt to to separate us and an attempt to cause chaos and, and wreak havoc. And that doesn't mean they, need, they, they don't need to be addressed from a worldly perspective because they do. And that's the work that I do from a civil rights perspective mm-hmm. and also just being involved in my community on a hands-on level. But at the end of the day, we have to remember um, who the source is and who has the ultimate power. And I try to make sure I impart that on my kids. We talk about the real life issues and we address them like we 
I, I talked to them very candidly. If I told you some of the things that we discussed, some people probably be like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but man, my thing is they're, they're going to hear it from me first before they hear it from anybody else. And one of the things that I was taught um, as a young dad, which really stuck with me, um, is like the worst thing that your children can ever find out is that you lied to them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big subscriber of that, subscriber to that. Like, I don't ever want my children to be able to look at me and say, you lied to me, right? So I talk to them pretty openly, my big my big boys, pretty openly about everything. So we'll talk about, you know, the, the precautions you take when you're out amongst um, a crowd of predominantly white folks. And we'll talk about what you need to do when you're approached by police, things that your white friends may not need to. So I talk to them very candidly, but I always make sure I bring it back to, at the end of the day, um, you know, God is the, the, the end all be all and make sure that your actions are aligned with, with his teachings. Um, so that's where I try to end. Right. So I try my best. And sometimes I'm not, I'm not successful, but, but, but that's where I try to end up. Yeah. And you, you kind of answered the next question I had for you, Desmond, you know, having I'm that legal, I'm an attorney, bro. yeah, no, uh, you know, I was going to say <laughs> as, as an attorney, you know, not only the things that we see and hear about on the national news, you're dealing with cases on a daily basis. I'm sure that don't make the national news that, that are related oh, to yeah. what we're talking about. So it's, it sounds like to me that you're very open about, you know, sharing what's going to, to a certain extent, obviously, but you're open to sharing with your kids, um, the realities of what's going on. No, most definitely. Because um, a lot of times, you know, we, I always make sure I relate to my friends that if they don't understand why I'm so tough on them when I ask them to do something and they don't do it the first time, right? So I have to explain to them a real life practical example. Mm-hmm. If a police officer asks you to do something, you may not be granted the privilege of a second command, right? Of a second, um, put your hands up or a second, don't move, right? So I use those real life practical examples that, you know, you have to learn to, to listen because, unfortunately, as black males, you know, you may not be granted the privilege of being told to do something three times before, you know, you shot or, or somebody, a police officer goes outside your head. And you know, we all know you may not even get one. Um, but um, it's just very imperative that when I tell them to do things around the home, I relate it and show them how that translates to a potential real life um, consequence, right? Um, and, and there's been a there certainly hasn't been a shortage of examples for me to give them. And, and the thing about it is, I think they really take take well to it. Like they really listen. They they're like wide eyed when I explain to them the connection between why you need to do. It may seem small, right? When we're talking about a PlayStation or you know turning off your mm-hmm. YouTube or whatever the case may be. But there's a bigger there's a bigger picture, and, and I try to explain that to them. And I don't think we were always given that. At least in my household, we weren't always given the benefit of the doubt as to why certain things were important, right? We were right. told, do it because I told you to, as yeah. opposed to talking them through the correlation between what I'm asking you to do now and what the world's going to be asking of you later. And I think my kids have done a really good job, man, of, of really seeing that, listening. And I, and I see a, a, a dramatic um, change in their behavior whenever I can make one of those real-life examples that connects. Um, so, yeah, I, I find it to be very helpful. Yeah, it sounds like you grew up in a household similar to me and some other people I know, kind of old school thinking does not allow for a lot of, you know, dialogue and back and forth. Um, but it's great that, that that's the approach that, that you're taking. So, so Des, so for a father like me who has a young son and for other listeners of this podcast who have boys um, at different age groups, some have, you know, toddler age, some have teenagers and some have college age students, you know, 
as an attorney, having that legal background, how do you talk to your boys uh, specifically about some of the injustices that they'll face and, 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 you know, when they get older, how to deal with that? How do you how do you address that? Well, sometimes I have to get very nuanced. Like we here at the Freedman Law Group, which is my my law firm, along with my three partners. You know, we do know your rights seminars. Where I mean, it's very technical about the things you should do if you're stopped by police. So there are definitely some some instances where on a on a high high level, you know, I explain to them in detail what to do. You know, if they if they're out with their friends in the neighborhood and the police stop them, right? Um, you know, I tell them to make sure their hands are out their pockets or things like that. So I mean, extremely um, practical examples that get really um nuanced but but i think for the most part when it comes to touching on those topics it's always related to um things that we ask excuse me things that we ask of them um with their daily going and coming into daily tasks or daily activities right so i'll call it like i said for example um you know, if I ask them to do something and, and, and they make me ask them, you know, multiple times, I'll correlate it to, you know, needing not even just a police context. I'll say, you know, if, if you're on a job, right, or if you own your own business and you have an assignment to do for somebody and you don't follow the instructor, you could lose your contract and that could hurt your business and impact, you know, your your employees. So, like, I give them a lot of real life examples. Everything, uh, everything that, that we talk about isn't necessarily um about you know the the the, the police element uh, but i do use practical examples including the police element so i i would just say mo- most of the instruction and directives when it comes to police interaction um I, I like to tie it to real life practical examples from lessons we learned just from from them being kids yeah yeah and on the flip side man you you have a, a one-year-old daughter who's going to grow up um you know to become a young woman at some point and that's going to be a whole different whole different set of discussions and, and things that she may have to deal with as she grows older like i know it's early i know it's early but have you have you even have you given thought about you and your wife even thought to that well I, i've given a lot of thought man and and you know i always think about like the girls and I, I met my wife in law school, which is the reason why I exclude her. I gotta put that out there now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think about the uh, the girls, the, the young ladies I grew up with in, in high school, right? And I think about um, and everyone's younger, so I'm definitely not holding anyone's youth against them. But there was you know a couple of girls that you knew in your in your class that just act different. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like they weren't. I don't know fast is the right word you use, but our old heads, our old folks would say fast. Yeah. Were, you know, it was, was really, their, 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 their center of gravity was around boys. And like I said, rightfully so, right? But um, there were always, a, to me, like a couple of young ladies that it just seemed like they were focused on their books and they were still nice and cordial, but they just weren't into the hoopla, right? They weren't into the bickering. And, the, the, and I just, I've always found that common thread that they had a good, relationship with their father right from the one that i've gotten to know um and i just i just think that having that relationship with her is going to be extremely important in making sure i instill in her one truth um because just like with my boys i'm going to be extremely um and painfully honest with her about everything in this world and she's gonna be able to talk to me um and probably more so than my wife. My wife is kind of the authoritarian in mm-hmm. our household. Um, but um, I just want to keep an open dialogue and an open line of communication with my daughters, even more so than my sons. Um, so she'll know the way that you're supposed to 
be able to communicate with a man, right? That they're supposed to listen to you. They're supposed to be attentive to you. They're supposed to take your feelings into consideration. Um, your feelings aren't to just be, you know, um, disregarded. Uh, I just want her to know how it feels to be loved by men, right? In its purest form. Um, before she ever starts worrying about being loved by men in a physical aspect, right. she to know how it feels, what what that feeling is in her gut when a man loves her and is about protecting her and is you know non-judgmental of her. I, I want her to know what that feeling is, so when she does meet that that gentleman, um, she'll be able to say, "Yep, that's it. That's the feeling." When she meets you know guys who aren't the, the, the best intention, mm-hmm. she'll also get that same tingling. Her feeling like, "Yeah, he's not supposed to talk to me like that," or "He's not supposed to do that." You know, right. I'm not supposed to say that. So I'm hoping just, I can just give her a, a, a compass when it comes to her future interactions with men. That, that's what I hope that, that that my presence and I'm praying to God that I get a chance to be here long enough to to instill that in her, so she'll really have a um you know a basis of comparison against all other males that she meets in her life. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's my goal, brother. I, mean, I don't know how successful. Sounds be, no, sounds sounds great, man. Sounds great. I, <laughs> I know it's gonna it's gonna work out. You you you've mentioned your wife a couple of times during our discussion um, so far. So I want to ask you a, little, a question and maybe you know give some advice to our, our listeners who are married or partnered. How do you continue to make you know marriage a priority? Because I know with one how difficult it is sometimes, but with four yeah, sure, sure. and with you know with both of you all's profession and just life in general, how do you Make that a priority and keep the the I guess the spouse parent balance intact. Well, like you said, um, the, I mean, the key word that you said in that sentence is make right. Yeah, it's not going to happen on its own. Um, if you if, if you're not intentional about it, it's not going to happen. You're going to get lost behind your respective careers. You're going to get lost behind the needs of the children. You're going to get lost behind family members that have issues. So you have to be intentional about making the time. Um, and that's that's we've been married seven one on eight, and that's something that we definitely fell short of at different you know junctures of our relationship. I think that's one of the things you have to constantly take stock of. But I mean, we 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 go on dates at least a couple times a month. Um, Fridays, um, I try to get home by six o'clock to start the family movie. We mm-hmm. have family night like, pizza. We start the family movie at six o'clock. Have pizza. You know, we do the family movie, you know, usually around an hour and a half, two hour movie. So by the time eight o'clock comes, we lay the little ones down. Then we've done our family thing with the bigs. And you know, they're old enough to hang out downstairs, play PlayStation, do whatever they want. And the wife and I usually go upstairs and we'll watch a, a, a adult, you know, a Netflix series or yeah. HBO series that obviously you know, we wouldn't watch with the kids. Or we'll, you know, play cards or, you know, so Fridays are usually um, on a weekly basis, a time that we really get a chance to tap in and, and spend some quality time with one another once we get done with spending time with the family. Um, and then aside from that, like I said, we definitely try to plan some date nights. Man, my wife is fine, man, so I love to see her dressed up, bro. <laughs> I love to see her put on a dress, a, little, a pair of heels. Man. Right. Every chance I get to take my wife out, um, I, I, I definitely take advantage of that. We, we make sure we do that on a regular basis. And that, that was really the um, the thing that drew us together, man. She was like my, my, my friend, my homie. When we first started dating, like we just had so much fun together. Right. Whether it be going out dancing or hanging out watching rap battles uh, on <laughs> the computer. Uh, we just had so much fun together, you know what I'm saying? So that that's what drew us together. And that was that's what keeps us together. So we definitely make sure we find time to, to hang out, I'll call it with one another, because that, that's the, I think that's the strength of our relationship. We, we're, we're really 
good friends and we really enjoy each other's company when we get a chance to silence out the noise from our, our everyday responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. So so you, you've you've said a lot, man. You said a lot in describing how you prioritize marriage and how you, you know, are a father, you touched on your profession. You know, but for your own mental health, for the 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 well being of Desmond, how do you make sure that that you're good? Uh, the gym. I would have to say the gym is my biggest stress reliever and my my, my opportunity to get away from the world. Um, one of the things that I think my friend or family would tell you about me is how um, absurdly early in the morning I wake up. Mm-hmm. Like currently, my alarm is set for three o'clock in wow. the morning. Um, so I enjoy that quiet time of the morning, man. Whether it be going to the gym or mm-hmm. just sitting downstairs reading my Bible or reading a book or me even getting work done while listening to some music, I just enjoy that peace and quiet of being up before everyone else is up. And um, so I, I would say my mornings, man. Just in general, my mornings. And right now, I've been since since. They opened back up the gyms here in North Carolina a few weeks ago. I've been hitting the gym. I don't think I missed a weekday in the past three or four weeks so since they opened back up. So I get in the gym around five o'clock, work out. You know, got my podcast on or whatever song I'm listening to. Yeah, yeah, I work out. I get my cardio, and then I, I get. I love the sauna. I get in the sauna. So I definitely say, man, just my mornings in general, but 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 even more specifically. Um, working out is a huge stress relief because I get a chance to put a bunch of things into one, whether it be reading, um, listening to podcasts, listening to music, just thinking about different things that I want to implement in my life and my family's life. So that that, that morning block, man, is very, very important for me. I, I'm much more healthy when I'm getting it consistently. Right, man. So it's your, your alarm goes off at 3.30, man. What time are you going to bed? Uh, I probably get in there about 10 o'clock. Okay. I'll, get, I'll get more sleep on the, on the weekend. Right, right. Um, but um, I try. And listen, I'm not saying that's the most healthy thing. I'm not advise it. But um, you know, there, I, I said there are seasons, man. I'm 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 at a, a stage right now where I'm really um, making some things happen and continue to build on some things. And uh, there there will come a point in my life where I can sleep into to, to eight o'clock. But right, right now, I just can't do it. Or at least you know, right, it's but, not part of my schedule. But. Uh, I think the lesson there, man, listening to you is that you're prioritizing mental health. And that, that's something that, you know, we as fathers need to make sure that we're doing, you know, whatever it looks like for you, whether it's getting up and going to the gym or or doing something in the evenings, but prioritizing that mental health, which we have to take care of, you know, ourselves as well. A uh, couple more questions for you. I think it was a big to me. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was watching an interview with Kobe, man, after his passing, and he was talking about how. Um, you know, he's such a competitor when it comes to the sport, right? Where if he would play with a sprained ankle or if he was sick or whatever the case may be, like he's playing, like the question he's playing, and he said it would be extremely un- this resonated with me. It would it would be extremely unfair of him to after a game or you know, a long road trip to come home, come into his house and his girls want to play with him and he tells yeah. them, Not right now, daddy's tired, right? Or not right now. Daddy's yeah. just had a long game. Like because if it was his if it was basketball or his teammates on the basketball court, he's playing regardless, right? So my point is you have to find that time because you can't take a break on your kids. You know what I'm saying? I, that to me that was really big. Like there may be times where you need rest, you may maybe times where you need to to take a break, but it can't come at the 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 the, the um, you know to the to, to the detriment of the family. That's not the place to take your break. So that's why I wake up. One reason I wake up so early 
because it's not impeding on my family time. Like I have to get up early and sometimes it sucks, but I'm not going to find me time at four o'clock in the afternoon. Right. When I get to soccer yeah. practice. I want to be there at soccer practice. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. I find my me time where it doesn't negatively impact the time that I, that I could be spending with my kids. I, I got that. Well, I've, I've already been doing that. They just made it that much more real when I heard Kobe explain it in that manner. Like, yeah, you, you mentioned Kobe, man. Let me just ask this question while we're talking about it. How did that hit you as a father, his passing? Oh, man, that 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 was sad. Man. That You know, we, we hear about passings a lot and, and people that we admire because we get a chance to look into the lives of celebrities. Um, but that Kobe one was different, man. There have just been a few that were just different yeah. as of late. The past few years, Nipsey was different um, for different reasons than Kobe, but Nipsey was different. Um, Kobe was definitely different as a father, man, because you just saw how much yeah. he loved his girls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that that resonated resonated with me very deeply because I have that same level of compassion and love and just admiration. I mean, you can see admiration in his eyes when he speaks when he speaks about his children. When you saw the videos and the pictures of inter- interacting with his girls, like you can see how much he loves those girls, and for it to be cut off. Like that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, just, it, 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 it was it was extremely sad, um, and that that definitely had an impact. It took me a little while to to, to shake that, and yeah. even now talking about it kind of gets to me. Yeah, no, um, I, I still think about it from time to time, man. Just yeah, man. just random, you know, times of the day. I just think about Kobe, and definitely as a father, I think that whether you're a sports fan or not, you could um, empathize with, with his passing. Last yeah, question for you, man. Um, sure, sure, sure. You know, with the election coming up, you know, everyone knows what's at, at stake, but specifically from your perspective, what are some things that fathers, um, not necessarily specific to this election, but generally speaking, you know, what should we expect out of our political leaders? Oh man, we need to get active. We need to become the political leader. And I'm speaking um, of, of, of the African-American community. Most pointedly, we have to become the leaders um, as opposed to just uh critiquing or or informing ourselves on it we need to make sure that we're raising them right that we're being those leaders in our communities ourselves on a political level um because local politics are extremely important as well as state and of course um national um but then we really need to make sure that we're at the table we're on those uh, city councils we're on those school boards you know where we have people that are running for senate seats and the, the lawmakers and decision makers so my call in that regard would be to intentionally um, become a part of the process, not just educate ourselves on the process. We need to be as much of the process as everyone else. And that's the only way that we're really going to have a say and really see, um, you know, true, true impact is if we're, we're, we're involved directly in it. So the, you know, the first part starts with education, right? So we need to fill in that, that, information deficit that, that may be out there historically but the next step and i think we're already there is making sure we're getting more and more of a diverse population uh, within our politics like i said i think the large part we're there whether it be minorities um gender um all that stuff we're, we're, we're getting a lot more diverse um sample size which is why i think trump has has kind of really ugly head because they're starting to realize that that's where this country is headed i just want to keep see us keep going that way yeah, yeah, and I think they think that's a, a great place we can wrap this up. I, mean, I could go on and on, but I want to be mindful of your time. Um, great conversation, Desmond. Before I let you go, man, tell people you know about your law firm, how they can get in touch with you, where they can find you on social media. For sure, thanks, man. Um, well, first of all, once again, man, thank you so much for having me. It's been a 
joyful conversation to have with you. Fatherhood is uh, my most important and my most beloved task and job. Um, but of course, uh, with fatherhood comes grocery bills. Um, so uh, the Freeman Law Group is a law firm that I started along with my three partners. Um, were or four black males, uh, a, a rare um, combination um, in the legal space. Black attorneys in general only make up 5% of the profession. So to see four of us in one firm and, and thriving and working in, in, in collaboration and unity is something that's very rare and something that we don't take for granted, something that we know um, the success of this endeavor uh, means so much more than just uh, inside the courtroom. Um, but so we're located in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we have four different practice areas. I lead up our civil litigation and personal injury uh, branch. And we also have criminal law, we have business law, and we have family law in the state. So we tried to cover a lot of the areas in which uh, minority communities generally were underserved. Um, but you can reach us uh, by telephone at 704 Two seven one two zero four eight. If you have any legal questions, even if you think it's something that you don't know that, that you don't know if you need an attorney for, give us a call. We speak to our committee members all the time and just advise them. This may not be something you need an attorney for. It may not be something that has any legal merit at all. But at least you have that conversation and know, right? And we can also be found on Instagram at Friedman F R E E D M E N underscore Law. So Friedman underscore Law on Instagram, and then on Facebook, just Friedman Law. And the website is the, T-H-E, Friedman, F-R-E-E-D-M-E-N, lawgroup.com. So, yeah, if you're in the, the, the great state of North Carolina, we provide legal services statewide in all of the areas in which I mentioned. Um, feel free to uh, give us a call. We've all been in the, the game for uh we all went to law school together, so we've all been in the game for about 11 years, so we have an abundance of experience in different practice areas, so we're, we're definitely excited for the work that we've been doing and the work that God will continue to allow us to do. No, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate you joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast today. Uh, my, i got to plug my personal, too. You can follow me at DES underscore ESQ. Uh, that's where I, I get a little bit more family-oriented <laughs> and share the family on that one, man. Let you ask my kids a little bit. It's best DS underscore ESQ. But no, man, thank you so much for having me, man. It's been a great discussion, man. Um, I can't wait to continue to hear more about uh, your journey. You got a two-year-old young man. This is a very fun time, so please make sure you take advantage of that. And uh, I know you're going to grow to a great young man. You're going to a great father, so. Hey, thanks a lot, my man. Appreciate it. I want to thank my man Desmond Andrade for joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast today. As always, thank you for listening. You can find the Fatherhood Podcast on social media at the Fatherhood Podcast on Instagram. And be sure to like the Fatherhood Podcast page on Facebook. You can find the podcast on all major streaming platforms. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave a rating and a review. Until next time, I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is the Fatherhood Podcast.